0: Guys, just before we start, just before I jump into this, I just want to honour all the guys behind the camera and behind the screens that make this whole thing happen. Um, Sean and Coco, Josh, Dan, Haley, Dave and Cherie have have poured a lot of time and effort in to helping us set this up, keeping Jess and I on track and ensuring that things are happening when they should be and just allowing us the, the freedom and the encouragement to keep doing these and and how we can better improve them and, and all those sorts of things. So I just want to thank them firstly and, and say, well done, guys. I just want to honor you and, and, and say thank you. We, we couldn't have done all of this or any of this without you. So well done and thank you. If you, if you want to shoot those guys a message or a, or a FaceTime call just to thank them, you can do that. I hope everyone is doing well and is uh, keeping up with the, the ISO training and, and those sorts of things. Um, hopefully you're ringing the guys that you're in, in a three with and the guys that you are in a community group with. We have been very encouraged by the way guys have been communicating and talking to one another. So well done and, and hopefully we will be back in this room together soon, being able to, to embrace one another and, and worship together. I just want to pray before we get started and just to ask Holy Spirit to come and just just speak this morning, this evening, wherever it is you are, whenever it is you are. So why don't you just close your eyes wherever you are and, and let's just give this time to God. Lord, we, we honour your glorious name, Jesus. We acknowledge your presence here in this room, in the lounge rooms around Australia, wherever it is people are listening this, to this. We just acknowledge your presence, Jesus. Holy Spirit, we just acknowledge you moving in us and through us. God, I just ask that anything that I say right now, if it's not of you, may it fall away. But the things you want to sow into us, may you set a fire in our hearts. May these things begin to take root and take shape in our life. We love you, Jesus, and we honor you. You are worthy to be praised. You are worthy to be glorified. And in your beautiful name we pray, amen. So the last couple of weeks, I've been preaching on a few different things and it's kind of all been taking a, a uh, unusual direction that I think God is sort of leading us, and through a few other conversations with other church leaders um, around Australia and and other nations, it's kind of the same sort of direction that there's a preparation that's taking place in order for us to go back into to life, not as it was, but changed and different into what it is God has for us. I, I spoke on on the Valley of Shittim and, and being in that place and having to come start from that place in, in the wilderness and come through into the promised land. And then I sp- spoke about the mountaintops and what it looks like to win like Moses did up on the mountaintop to pray and declare God's name and see the victory in the valley. And then I spoke about Jesus being the inward and the outward eternal cleansing that allows us into his presence. After that, I spoke about remembering the presence, the word, the name, and the ways and grace of God to stay in His shadow. And it's all sort of been pointing us toward this this desire that God's put in my heart to see disciples of Christ, not just consumers of a, of a, of a culture or of things that are around us. And I think that what God's doing is He's preparing a true level of discipleship, a true um, training of people to grow them up in the ways of the Lord, to actually go and do the work that He's commanded us to do. I haven't lost hope in, in 2020. I, I still believe that God has a great deal of work to do in 2020. There's lots There's lots and lots of, of harvest to come that God has for us. I think the the, the prophets that were, were prophesying about 2020 weren't wrong. It just doesn't look how we want it to look. God's ways are not our ways. And we have to remember that as we Go back through those prophecies and look what was prophesied for um, the move of God and what God is doing in this place. So, if you've got a Bible, I don't know if we'll be clever enough this week to have the scriptures on the screen. So, if you've got a Bible, go there. We may be. I don't know. Depends if if my wife has the time to make it happen. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 1. Sorry, that wasn't a stab. She's just very busy. (laughs) It takes a long time. Deuteronomy 8, chapter 1, verse 3, says this. Sorry, Deuteronomy 8, chapter 1, we're gonna go all the way through to 7 rather than 3. The whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land the Lord swore to give to your fathers. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what is in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out and your foot did not swell these 40 years you know that in your heart no sorry no then in your heart that as a man disciples his son the Lord your God disciplines you so you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and by fearing him the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land Israel was in Egypt they get taken from Egypt. God removes them. He brings them into the wilderness, into a wandering for 40 years. And they wander in this place. They, they, they wander through the desert. And it's so encouraging to me in, in this verse because there's so much in here that, that sounds like it's challenging, it sounds like God's being being almost mean or awful to them, but, it, but he's not. He's actually saying to them, these are the things that I gave you. But you have to understand that the Israelites came out of Egypt and they go into a land which they were promised of milk and honey. They were, they were, they were given the, the idea of a promised land, but it didn't look how they originally thought it was think it was going to look. It looked different to that. But when they came into this place, God stretched them, he changed them, and he, and he set their eyes and their hearts onto him by removing the things that they had and, and by placing, by making them place their trust in him. In Egypt, even though they were slaves, they would have had stability of things around them. They would have been able to cook, just enough food, a little amount, there was always food to keep them going. The Egypts would use them as slaves, so they it was their it, it was their point to make sure they were still eating and still healthy, so that they could keep working as slaves. They were treated awfully, but there was this little this little place of comfort that allowed them to feel well at least we've got a bit of food, we've got a, a cover over our head and, and we're being treated awfully but we're comfortable in what it is that we have I spoke about this um, a few weeks before we went into ISO about the fact that, that Israel actually got caught in the Stockholm Syndrome, they got caught being comfortable with their captive Then God brings them out, they go out into this place of the wilderness, they go out into this, this place of wandering and it almost feels like, hey God we were better off in Egypt We were better off where we knew where our food was coming from, how often we would get it. Yeah, we were treated awfully, but at least we knew what was coming. But God is bringing them into a place where he's saying, even though you are wandering in the desert, I will give you everything you need to lead you into the promised land, to lead you into the place that you have to come. But I can't give you the promised land until you rely fully on me, wholeheartedly on me, that I'm gonna bring you into everything that you have, I'm gonna bring you into the fullness of the place that I have for you. Israel constantly got caught up with this, God, are you really gonna fulfill the promise that you made? Are you really gonna make good on the things that you said to us? Are you really gonna give us the land of our forefathers? And as I was reading through this during the week, I felt like we're kind of in that place in this this COVID-19 area that we're in now, where there was all this promise given for 2020, there was all this promise given the church, something's coming, something's coming. The harvest field is right. It's all there right in front of us. And now we're kind of sitting in this place where we go, God, are you going to make good on your promise? And we start we to, get to get in this place where we feel a little bit like, like the th- walls are falling down around us and this is an awful place as opposed to a good place that we were promised. We're kind of thinking, you know, I'd rather go back to what we had before. I'd rather go back to the place that we had because it was more comfortable. Yeah, things weren't opening up and things weren't weren't going the way we wanted it to, but I was more comfortable in that place than I am now, locked in my house and unsure as to how to hear from you and to learn and grow in you that we kind of got to this place where we feel more comfortable and at least we got to gather together, at least we got to be in the church together in that place, but we're missing what God's doing for us right now in this place of wilderness. We're missing what it is that's actually taking place as we walk through this wilderness, this quiet place, where God is providing, He is leading us, but it doesn't look the way that we think it's going to look. It doesn't, it doesn't take shape quite how we want it to take shape. And I think we have to understand just like what Israel had to understand is we have to let go of the control. We have to let go of trying to make it look our way, trying to do it the way we want it to look because God's way is so much better than that. But we have to let go. We have to relinquish that control and say, God, I'm going to give you all of who I am. I'm going to give it over to you. I don't understand this time. I don't understand why we're in the wilderness and what it is that's happening around us. But I trust you and I trust what it is you have for me. We have to come out of this time changed. We cannot just go back to the way things were, back into captivity. We have to come out and be freed, be changed, be challenged, be remolded into what it is God's doing in this new world post-COVID-19. We have to understand that things are changing. This is an unusual time. We have to be in the forefront as Christians to change and to be molded so that when we come back in to the world, we go back into what it is that's taking place, a different world than it was before. We are equipped and ready to carry the gospel into those areas of life that God has for us. I want to show you something through this verse. Stay, stay in, in Deuteronomy 8. because I want to show you some things that God says here that we have to remember in this time. That like the Israelites, we don't have the things we had before. We have different tools, different ways of seeing things and doing things, and we have to understand what it is God's, God's saying to us. 8.2 A2 says this: "You shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you, that the Lord your God is leading you through this time. As a people, we have to remember that right now, in this time, God is leading us if you will allow Him to have the lead. I spoke last week out of psalms and saying that we need to remember how to go to the shadow of the Almighty to, to rest in the place. And that in that place, God's in front of us because the shadow's cast behind. God is in front of us and He is leading the way. We nestle in behind Him in the shadow and we allow Him to lead us through the wilderness, lead us through the place that we're in. We cannot forget that in this time, God is leading us through this. In most cases in Western Christianity, unfortunately, we have a culturist Christianity a culture where we it becomes our culture more than it does our life more than it does a, a a consequential Christianity it's more about the culture the friends the lunch the way we do life and less about the fact that it has a, a real change on who we are we've made in 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 a lot of ways Christianity about about you know looking a certain way, dressing a certain way, acting a certain way, and that's who we are. We're a culture of people rather than allowing Jesus to radically and really change and transform our life. And what we have to do is we cannot look to the people, man, to lead us through this time. We have to be looking to God and saying, God, where and how are you leading me? This is not about culture more than it is about who He is, and how my life changes to actually be an image bearer of Him, to look as He looks, to to move as He moves. That's what Jesus was saying when He says, I only do what I see my Father do. I only say what I hear my Father say, is that I'm an image bearer of Him. I look like Him. God led the Israelites week by week, day by day, step by step through the wilderness. He is leading us in exactly the same way. But we have to recognize what it looks like and say to him, God, I will follow you in all things. Continuing on in 8.2, it says that he might humble you, testing you to know what is in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. This is probably one of the most challenging things that we have to hear as Christians, is to humble ourselves and say, God, check what is in my heart. Because what we can tend to do is we can tend to use our mouth to say things that doesn't actually match or mimic what's in our heart. So we'll say, I love you, brother. I love you. But then with our heart and with our actions, we go and we do something different that doesn't portray the words that we just used. We can say all kinds of things that doesn't match our heart, but what Jesus is saying all through the New Testament is he's saying, what's in your heart? What is it that you truly want from this? Who are you really in this? And what is it that you're really trying to do? Is this about you or is this about me, Jesus? Is this about you and your ministry and who you are and your work and your your life and your, 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 me, me, me? Or is this really about who I am and forwarding my kingdom and having you step into the fullness of God? Because when our heart gets tested, when our heart gets checked, it it becomes a a difficult place because then we go, I have to change, God. We've all read Psalm 139, 23 to 24 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me to the way of everlasting. God, test my heart. Check me. If you can humble yourself before Him to say, God, I think this is my heart. I think this is the way it should be. And He reveals something to you, you have to change. You have to change that thing and remove that sore point from your heart. Remove that thing that that, that is there and hurting. What this time has revealed to us is really what faith is because we've seen a lot of guys pumped up in their faith, I'm full of faith God is everything, he has me he has me, he has me until until the 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 uh, bus starts to shake a little and then all of a sudden they, they begin to panic and I don't know, I'm, I've lost my job, I've lost this, I've lost that, I don't know who I am everything's lost because the faith that you spoke of was just words, it wasn't written deep into your heart see as, as, as Christians we have to begin to learn, it's that what we say out of our mouth is important, but it has to be more than that. It has to be deeply rooted in our heart so that when we speak, we're speaking from our heart to reveal who Christ is in that time. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there is any grievous way in me and lead me into the way of everlasting. Don't tell somebody else to go and check their heart. Check your heart first take yourself away god what what is it that's in me don't be that guy or gal who goes around and telling everybody else that they have issues and have to check their heart start with you go to god psalm 139 read it again and again and again search me god and know my heart moving on to 83 still in still in Deuteronomy 8 in a chapter 3 uh, verse 3 rather It says that he might make you, make you know. Sorry, up a little bit, still at eight three, just a little bit up. And he humbled you, and he let you hunger, and he fed you with manna. I, I stumbled across this during the week. God revealed something through him. I was reading um, a book from uh, Adrian, Adrian Beale, um, one of the dreams guys. Um, called Searching uh, the Kingdom Truth. Searching the Kingdom Truth. I can't quite remember what the name and the title of the book is. I can get it for you if you want it. But he he highlighted something that that blew me away. And as I begin to dig into it a little bit, God just started revealing all kinds of things around this verse. That he humbled you and he let you hunger and he fed you with manna. I spoke about this last week, that food is one of the biggest challenges that we have in our life. Because we, we wake up, we eat. We get to about 11 o'clock, we eat, we eat again at one. We get snackish at about four and we eat again. And then we eat again at six or seven. And then just before we go to bed, we kind of get this thing where, should I have something else as a snack? We like to eat. That's why when God says to fast, fasting is always done, in, in, in most cases, always done around food because it's your, subs, your substance, your sustenance of life. It's something that we struggle to go without. And God says he humbled them. And he let them hunger to feed them with manna. Why? Because as they hungered, they didn't know where their meal was coming from. Remember, they're in the desert. There's not much that takes place in the desert. There's not, not many trees and, and berries or food that's lying around. There's not many um, kangaroos that stop by and you can shoot and, and, and cook on a fire. There's not much of anything. So the food was scarce. But God says, I let you hunger because in that moment you will look to me. And in that time, Israel, you will see who I am, your provider and your God. And that you will reach to me and take of what it is that I have. They relied on the manna that God poured from heaven. They relied on it to get them through the day. That every moment they woke, where's the manna coming from? God, when are you going to send the manna? How is it going to come today? What's it going to look like? Where's it going to be? They depended on God. They depended on every meal from Him to come from heaven. And as you read, continue reading down, it says that He might make you known that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. The manner that God was pouring out was the word from the, the, the mouth of God. In Matthew 6.11, when Jesus is teaching the disciples how to pray, He says to, he says to them to say this in 6.11, Give us our daily bread. Give us our daily bread. Every day, Lord, we need bread. Would you give it to us? If you take that and you go back to to Deuteronomy 8, and he says that he might make you known that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. The bread that Jesus tells us to pray for every day is his new and fresh revelation that flows into us. That every morning we wake, every day we go about our day, we ask God, God, where is your manna coming from? Where is the bread of life coming from? Where is your fresh revelation coming from to allow me to keep walking in the direction of the promised land? That every day we're told to pray, Lord, where is that fresh revelation? Where is the manna from heaven? Where is what you're saying to me every single day? We don't just wait for God to give us a go to Africa and then I'll speak to you in in a few months when you get there. Every day we awake, we say, God, where is your manner today? What is it that you're revelating into me? What are you showing me? What are you revealing to me? What are you giving me? And it comes through so many different places from from the scriptures, from our places of worship, from our places of prayer, from our meditation on who He is. He starts to revelate day in and day out what it is we are to do and who it is we are. He always is speaking to us to give us new and fresh revelation. I remember watching one of those films. Um, I think it was... Um, Finger of God or, or, or lightning, um, uh, light from heaven. I can't remember what they're called. But there was a scene in that where they're in India and there's this man who, who they, they're interviewing and they're filming and he says, I wake up at three o'clock every morning to wait for God's marching orders for that day. Every morning he wakes me at three o'clock in the morning. I go to my place of prayer and I pray, simple prayer, God, what would you have me do today? And he reveals something to me, a person, a, a task, a job, a, a revelation that I can study and learn and understand for that day. That's going to God and asking for your bread every day. Revelation from heaven to say, God, what are you saying to me today? What does it look like for me in my steps what does it look like today? Like that lantern, it says, you shall be a lantern unto our feet. The next step, God, what's the next step? What's the next step? Day in and day out. Israel waited for the manna from heaven. As a people, that's where we need to be. That when we wake in the morning, God, what is your revelation for me today? What is your bread that you're bringing into my life every day? their clothes didn't wear out and their feet didn't swell. The provision in the, wil- in the wilderness is so that we can carry the gospel in- into the promised land and then out from the promised land. So when he brings us into the promised land, we don't sit back and relax and drink the milk and the honey. We, we gather ourselves and we go back out, coming back in, going back out, coming back in. That everything we do is to carry the gospel to the outermost parts of the world. That when we come into that place, into the fullness of God, we don't stay there and rest there. And that's all that it is. We get built up and we go out into the world, we come back, we go back out. There's always a fluid movement that God is always with us and flowing through us but it's that we go out into the world. It's not for our comfort, but to bring more back into the garden to be with Him, to bring more back into understanding a right relationship and a right um, understanding of the Father. Their clothing didn't wear out and their feet didn't swell. There will always be provision in the wilderness to get us where we're going. God will provide provision. In the wilderness to get us to where we're going your shoes will not wear out your clothes will not wear out but i love the fact that it says that their feet didn't swell because romans ten fifteen says and how are they to preach unless they are sent as is written how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news as they're walking through the wilderness their feet don't become unbeautiful because God understands it's those feet that are going to carry my word as far as, as the earth we can go. That your feet are beautiful. What we're to carry is beautiful. That God has given us a task to take the gospel out into all the world. But there's a training and a preparation that's being done right now in your homes. Right now in In your home, you are prepping and preparing to know Him more, to understand Him more, to grow in Him, to order to ready my feet to go out and go into all the earth. You see, we've had this upside down that people are supposed to come into the church. The church was a place, the synagogue was a place to worship and glorify Him, to strengthen one another, to go back out into the cities. It was a preparation and a, and, a, and a training ground and an encouragement and a place of worship and glorification to the Father to take us out to the outermost parts of the world, to walk where our feet won't swell and our clothes won't run out. The provisions are there. The manna is given daily, the revelation of God given daily that He is testing us in this time, that our hearts will remain in him and that we will keep his commandments. And we cannot forget that he is leading us and guiding us at all times. This is the task that Israel was given while walking through the wilderness. This was the thing that they were challenged and asked to to continue to hold on to, to hold sight, to stay in the shadow of the Almighty, to allow him to lead and to follow him. Because there's a place that we're going to come to when all this is over where God's going to say, you had five weeks, six weeks, seven weeks, however many weeks we've been in this now. What did you do with it? And man, I hope, I hope for my sake I have an answer. God, I'm ready. I've been prepping. I know you more since I, I went into this. I see you more. I understand you more. It's been hard but I know who you are more and more, God. I didn't waste this time. I held tight to who you are, but Lord, still check my heart to make sure that it's pure for you. I still need you to keep checking my heart, God. I know this is a challenge and it's not as as pumped up and uplifting as, as we may have hoped, but I just have this burden on my heart for us not to waste this time That God has given us a time of of rest or or recuperation. He's turned off a lot of the noise around us. Even if you're still working and you're still busy, which a lot of people seem to be more busy now than they were going into this, He's turned off a lot of the noise around you, the restaurants, the, the things to do, the hangouts, the beach, all those sorts of things have been turned off so that it'll be a little bit more silent for you to go, God, who are you and what are you calling me into? What are you prepping my feet to walk into? In this time of wilderness, we have to remember that it's him who's leading us. We have to remember that our hearts need to be changed. We need to to remember his commandments, remember who he is, and allow him to continually change our heart, to be transformed in him. We have to ask every day, Lord, give us your daily bread. Give us the fresh revelation from heaven about how I take my next step and the next step and the next step. Let him feed you with the manna from heaven. And we cannot forget that he will provide the provisions as we step into the next step toward the ground that he's given us, toward the things that he's promised us, toward the promises for 2020, that those things have not gone astray. We don't start again. Just because it doesn't look how we wanted it to look doesn't mean that God didn't, hasn't fulfilled His promises or won't continue to fulfill His promises. Let go of the control to make it look like how you want it to look like. Because God's ways are better than our ways. His truth is real and is so important to our life. We have to remember that He's in charge, that He's in control when we give Him that control, when we lay down our life and say, your life, God, your way, let's do it your way, when you lay down your will and allow His will to come. I hope that is encouraging. I hope it's given you something to, to uh, use and to apply to your life. Go back and read that verse. Read those, those places that, that I, I took you this morning or this evening or wherever it is and just allow our God to speak through that and in that. Go back to that Psalm, that verse in Psalms. Uh, Psalm 139, and ask God, what, what are you saying here? What's the reality of you searching my heart? But why don't we just pray, Holy Spirit, I just ask that whatever it is that's been said here tonight, it's of you, Lord, may it penetrate our hearts. God, may you teach us to really humble ourselves before you. May you teach us, Lord, to ask for your will to overtake our will and for your kingdom to come in our lives. God, I pray for those that are hurting right now. For those whose lives seem overwhelming, that things aren't going their way. God, may they see you in this mess. God, may they see you in this time. May their hearts long for you, Jesus. May their eyes be set on the things that are in heaven. And I pray for peace, Lord. Your peace. Your shalom peace. Come. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you that we can still speak about you, that we are still free to discuss your glorious name, that we are still free, Lord, to declare who you are, to worship you, to honor you, and to glorify you. Jesus, may your kingdom come and your will be done. In your beautiful name we pray, amen. Awesome, enjoy, guys. Hopefully, again, I say this every time, but hopefully we will be back together soon being able just to break bread together and hang out, greet each other with a holy kiss. No, no, Jess. Jess just looked at me from behind the camera like I was a weirdo. We love you guys. Hopefully you are um, doing well and keeping well. If you're not, please reach out to us. If you are, still reach out to us. Let's continue to chat on the Skypes and the Facebooks and all the interwebs. We love you and hopefully we'll see you soon. Bye.